Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the funny thing about yoga. It's me, Bradshaw, and it's my girl, Gigi. Hey, Gigi. Hello. We are here to tell you about a few things before we get to our episode. We would love it if you rate, review, subscribe. We have to say it. So we're just going to get that over with quick. Rate, review, subscribe, first and foremost. And then also, if you haven't heard, if you haven't heard, Starved Rock, July 19th through the 21st. That's a local retreat for anyone in the Midwest or Chicago area. It's two nights of luxury camping. So check that out. And then later on in September, we've got September 26th through the 30th in Joshua Tree National Park area. That's over in the high desert of California. We stargaze, we swim in the pool, we hike, we do a sound bath and lots of yoga. So all the details are on our website. If you don't know, now you know. Come join us. We would love to meet some of our listeners and get to know our students even better. Yes. Thank you for that, Gigi. You did a beautiful job. Thank uh, you. I feel like I just had to get that over with, like as fast. Get it out. Get it out. Yeah. Get it out. <laughs> uh, so uh, this week we have Danny Pamplun, who's a fantastic yoga teacher that's based in San Francisco and also a studio owner uh, who has a lot of wisdom to share with us about his experience as a yoga teacher in San Francisco over the past decade. And we're just super stoked to have him on the podcast. And we also accept him because he's gay. And I think that that, you know, it's like, it's nice. It's nice to be gay. So not Um, only is he gay, he's a, he's a business owner, which I didn't even know you could be both, but he is. I just want to say how impressed I am with Danny because of course I've heard of him for years and years, but I just never realized how many different hats he wore. Like he does his teacher trainings. He does retreats. He has, he has uh, a studio. He had a podcast. He did an app. Like he's just everywhere. He had his hand in kind of everything, does festivals and so on. So I think everyone will be really inspired just to like hear more about his process and journey and what he's up to now. Let's bring on Danny. Hey, Danny. Thank you for being here. Welcome. For having me. (laughs) I've always wanted to sit on a virtual screen with two yogis with neck tattoos <laughs> this is, well here you go yeah, I was gonna say the, full, the full fantasy is here <laughs> yes exactly well it's actually is that, not is that, that's newer danny isn't it newish um, like the past year no i wanted to uh, i think it's like two or three years old oh nice yeah. you yeah. guys must have gotten it at the same time then because yours is going on Brad got his first because I was like on a nine month wait list to get mine done from this guy. Um, Oh, Brad got his first. I remember I covered his classes and people were like, "Oh, is Brad out of town?" I was like, "No, he's just getting his neck tattooed." (laughs) (laughs) It was such an intense Uh, experience. Oh my god, it was a lot. Yeah, I can't imagine. Is that the most painful spot? Like both of you have a ton of tattoos. Is I'd imagine the throat might be the most painful. Ooh, actually, I want to hear Brad. Was that your most painful spot? No, I think, yeah. I mean, I think it was, I was, my nervous system, I was just so like hyped to get it that it was painful, but I I feel like I disassociated for sure. I feel like I, getting my back done was pretty awful. I hated getting my back tattooed. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. I feel like for me, as so I just started a big back piece, um, like my whole back is is being covered right now. And I walked into the back piece appointment being like, oh, this is going to be easy. It's a big meaty part of the body. It was terrible. Like to the point where I was like bear hugging the table. Oh my God. It was so bad. Especially when my spinal workers, I would like immediately just like start to go into a back bend every time, every single time. Yeah. I would picture the back being like meatier and protect more protected, but no, it's fucking awful. And towards the spine, like on the spine is just, it's just terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm, I have a piece on my back, that of course, that I'm actually getting removed to do an entire back piece. 
Oof. So oh now I'm getting it. Like I've I've done three. Have you ever gotten any tattoos removed? No. Okay. Well, well it's <laughs> fucking awful. It's really awful. It's just as bad. And then I'm like, of course, I'm removing the one that's the most painful to get. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. So. The, neck wasn't, the neck wasn't terrible. It was more like I had an actually really raw, vulnerable moment with my tattoo artist. But when he hit my Adam's apple, I was like freaking out. Like internally, I was like freaking out because there's a needle tapping on my Adam's apple. Oh. He's like, we're going to take a little break. And we took a little <laughs> So I'm going to give you a big hug. And, you know, here's here's like some tissues for your, your tears. I'm like, I'm crying. And he's like, I'm here to love you. I'm here to give you this tattoo. <laughs> you know, we became really good friends after that. I've gone to his wedding and it's it was awesome. But it was just like when he was on the Adam's apple, like my fight or flight turned on. And I was like, I want to punch this person right now or like, like fend for my life. Oh, well, well really isn't that like so close to the vagus nerve too? It's like right behind here, like between your ear and your center neck or something. It's, not, it's that too. And also you have this person whose like face is like right in your face. <laughs> oh. your neck. It's just weird. Yeah. 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 I feel like the worst is like, I had to lay on like a pillow, like, like a neck pillow like this. For like three hours then yeah it was whatever it's worth it it's totally worth I... it but look how good it looks <laughs> i think it's worth it i love it yeah. we know that you live uh in san francisco and you've been teaching there for how many years how many now years? 10 i just celebrated 10 february 1st oh nice that's awesome yeah where were you before wh san francisco yeah i'm originally from east la like the chichen chong song uh, and uh, and then I lived in LA most of my life, and then I did my twenties in San Diego, and then came up at the very very end of my twenties. So twenty nine, I came up to San Francisco uh, to study with a teacher, and never left. Ah, was that Sweet. your first first training? No, I did my first training down in San Diego. I was a um, I was a core power baby, so. Oh. I it was, you know, I say that and people are like, oh, core power. And I'm like, we had six studios back then. It was very different. It was, mm -hmm. you know, back in the long, long ago. Um, and um, and then, you know, I like taught and fell in love with it. Um, you know, I got into yoga because I had a really bad addiction problem. Um, and as I started to teach and started to learn more and get really get into the actual practice, because at first I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I was just like, bah, 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 repeat whatever someone else says. Great. Um, but I came mm -hmm. up to a yoga journal conference back in the day when those still existed and check this actually for the both of you in one weekend, I took Shiva Ray, Annie Carpenter, Judith Lassiter, Stephanie Snyder, and Jason Crandall in one weekend. Literally like every yoga student's yeah. dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mind was just like, what the fuck? Like at first I was really resistant. Cause I was like, this isn't yoga. This isn't how we do it at core power. And, you know, it took yeah. days and then I was like, wow, this is, this is just a whole new, it's a whole new world. Um, and then I started mm -hmm. flying up here to teach or rather to train at yoga tree. Um, because, you know, I, like, as I got into it more and started to study more teachers, like they were all based out of San Francisco. A lot of the greats came from here. So I was flying back and yeah. forth kind of just made the commitment to move up here and I wanted to do yoga and I wanted to teach yoga and I wanted to be successful at yoga and I wanted to be, you know, commercially successful. So I moved mm -hmm. where everyone was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's do you, do you like, are you enjoying San Francisco still? It's 10 my, years later? It is my home. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, a, yeah. I'm pretty involved in the community, both the queer community. Um, I lead a nonprofit, pardon, nonprofit here. Um, and uh, called something queer. And then also, you know, I teach and now I, I own two small businesses and, you know, I'm out and about, mm -hmm. I, you know, still have a good time going out at nights and, and I'm pretty active in the community. I, I love San Francisco. Actually, like I came to San Francisco when I was first diagnosed with AIDS um, and it was, I was, I, I had Kaposi sarcoma. So I had the cancer that kills you when you have AIDS um, mm -hmm. very, very, very long time ago. And I wanted to come to San Francisco because this is where I knew that they took care of gay people, you know, in my, in my twenties, yeah. I was like, this is where you go. And, and I kind of made a, a, a promise to myself that if I survived AIDS, that I would move to San Francisco and just be there. And, um, you know, here I am full circle later, you know, mm -hmm. years That's later. And incredible. I love it here. It's so, I don't care what people say. There's poop on the streets. There's homeless people. Yeah. There's <laughs> car break-ins. Who gives a shit? It's, it's my mm -hmm. city. I love it. I'm proud of it. I think there's that that doom cycle that people talk about in San Francisco. And um, it's just, it's done it's every city. 
it's what is everything. the what is the doom cycle with San Francisco? I'm I'm sorry if I'm a little. Oh, you know that the liberals are just let, um, letting everyone do this and letting everybody do that, and the homeless. Got it. Got it. Like, it's like I see yeah. other cities, and I for for me, this city really um, it just took care of me. I'm a I'm a big believer in energy, as everyone should be, because it's what we're made mm-hmm. of. And I feel like San Francisco is an entity. You know, it's got its own it's got its own history. It's got its own people here. It's got its own feeling and. You know, you can come in and resist it and it's going to chew you up and spit you out or you can come up and surrender to the city. And if you're supposed to be here and if you want to be here, I, I truly do believe the city will take care of you. And it's it's so gracefully just handed me my dreams, you know, in a, in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. Here you go. So, yeah, I, I feel like indebted to the city is one of the reasons why I did the studio. I, let's be honest. I hate being a studio owner. <laughs> um, but um, um, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did it for- Help me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do feel like it is one of the ways where I get to give back to the community where, you know, we needed space. We needed yoga. We needed more queer owned businesses. We needed more representation in yoga. And mm-hmm. I wanted to reset the playing field at least here in my little universe and and, and I did that and it's been yeah. great I really do I really do love it here I, I have a couple of like like love affairs with other cities but I don't tell San Francisco <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed you're allowed I have one question about your nonprofit before we dive yeah. into more studio chat because I didn't know that what is like the mission of yeah yeah, so it's it's called Something Queer. Uh, we're a 501c3 uh, based here in the Bay, and we're a queer and arts music collective. So um, this was a birth project. Same thing out of, um, you know, uh, the studios. COVID for me was really rough. I was really wrapped in my ego and my identities of the ego. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I was really big on is I was a burner, you know, as everyone in San Francisco is a Burning Man person. But when Burning Man got removed, I was like, whoa, this is such a big part of my life, and this is how I identify in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? And the same with yoga. You know, it was it was a um, I laugh and giggle at this, but I was a famous yoga teacher in San Francisco. Everybody took my classes, and you know, like everyone knew Danny the yoga teacher, and and mm-hmm. that got removed. And I was like, shit. Like, what? Well, what am I? You know, I kind of have nothing left. And it took really uh, one of my great teachers who just had this really beautiful com- Janet Stone. Love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she just was like, you are, you are the practice, you are more than this. And, you know, this is where the tools really come in. And I was like, oh, I'm a creator. I'm mm-hmm. someone who believes mm-hmm. a spiritual being. I'm someone who believes and is fascinated in the healing of the the, the body and, and connection community. And so um, I, uh, I, you know, my best friend, 22 years now, we've, we, I looked at him and I was like, you know, if, if I'm hurting this much and th- that's been such a great space for me to explore and 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 be this beautiful human being that I I, I get to you know show outwardly then there's got to mm-hmm. be gathering and um we started this nonprofit and we we're like let's get you know our queer family together and take them out into the woods and make art and you mm. know dance and express queer joy and you know create space that is truly safe for mm-hmm. for us to to connect and we were so disconnected then you know so our, our yeah. first our first name of the gathering, which is 150 people, was a reconnection. Yeah. Oh, nice. It sounds like you were really busy, though, creating things during at least the beginning of pandemic, because that's when you opened home, too, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I do, like, that or do so like, like... <laughs> that or deal with my drama. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, let me do this. Let you, me do that. <laughs> you opened up the brick and mortar studio during the pandemic. Like, what, when was that in the pandemic? What, what, when was, was that? 2021. July 2021. So I don't know how much you guys so know. So a year and a couple months. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, I don't know how much you guys know San Francisco was like locked down. We were the first city to close yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. About everything. And I just kind of saw, I had really, you know, whatever you want to call it, my intuition was just like, I think it's time. And actually, I was going to do it here in the space that I live in. I was like, I'm going to do a little fight club, yoga studio. And I'm not, <laughs> I didn't want to. Really what happened was I was like, where am I going to teach? Yoga tree is gone. And yeah. I hate working for most people. I just can't mm-hmm. do it. Um, just I, <laughs> I have gay audacity. So I think I can do everything better than most. <laughs> you know I, I mean? love that term. You have that too, Bradshaw. <laughs> it's, not, it's not my original. But... You, think yeah. I have gay audac- you think I have gay audacity? Oh, you totally yeah, do, Bradshaw. Yes. Are you kidding? I, never I don't know what you're talking that. about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like last week when you're like... What? No, we were talking about teaching for, for classes. You're like, I just feel like by the last class, 
it's not a great class. I'm like, it's probably not my best class, but I know it's better than most. Yeah. 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 That's That's I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so you, you had Getting back. this so idea you had for the yoga fight club, but yeah, then you do, went was, much bigger. Yeah. I was going to do that. And I was sitting with my good girlfriend who's like my, my spiritual sister, Yvonne. And she was just like, it's just not, it's not, you need to go bigger, you know? And yeah. a couple of people were like, no, Danny, you're, you can't do this in your living room. You need something bigger. And mm. everything kind of fell into place. I signed, I, I, the, the inception happened in March and I opened the door. Well, actually the idea, I signed a lease in May and I opened the doors in July and it was the week where we got told we can take masks off, which was really cool because we were all just so excited. We were all coming together. And then two weeks into opening, we had a trip to put masks on. So I was like. Back on, you said? Oh, yeah. 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 We were really familiar with San Francisco. We were there during, right before lockdown, because we were taking a module with Jason Crandall so in 2020 it was, was like lo- the last day it was, it was literally like-, like the last day and they were like there's this virus and like people are on a boat and we're like what the fuck yeah, yeah. and then Jen <laughs> and, and I we went home and we were I was like two weeks and Jen was like no this is gonna be like I think years. it's gonna be longer so- yeah so we like got back to Chicago I think I taught maybe like two or three classes when I got home that weekend and then we were immediate lockdown and then I think Chicago I don't know from my experience I felt on par with San Francisco in New York. Like it was pretty, it was very, very locked down. We were locked, very down. locked down also, but I know that your um, location was a yoga space before you had mm-hmm. opened. So how did, did you like seek that out or did you, did it no. just fall into your lap? No, I'd actually never been to this space, but it was yoga to the people, RIP. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> I heard of yoga to the people, you know, a lot of people have talked about space. I'd seen pictures of it online and um, yeah, it was, I was like, well, where do I go? I looked at a lot of the old yoga trees, obviously. And and the first one I went for was the Castro space because it's just such a legend. And the landlord is a racist and he's pretty open about it and he's pretty terrible. Um, and I, I just, heard the rent there is insane though because- It was 20,000 a month is what they were 20? asking. 20? I mean- 20, What's still for a yoga business, as we all know, is like, it's, it's like, you would not be- What the to, hell? You'd have to sell $500 ships to, to make it work. But someone was like, what about the old yoga, yoga to the people space? And I was like, oh, what about it? I've never been there. And <clears throat> they said, you should look into it. So we looked on the market, it wasn't there. And I remembered a friend of mine had owned a gym in that same building. And so I just, I gave them a ring and I was like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, let me introduce you to the landlords. And then another friend of ours got the, the he's a realtor. He really got the deal going. And they were like, we're really not looking to rent it. And I was like, push on this. Like, let's just, let's tell them that we have a check and that we want to check it out. And mm-hmm. as soon as we pushed a little bit, they were like, sure. Like, if you want to come check it out, you know? Um, and as soon as I walked in the space, I was like, oh, this is good. This is yeah. really good. like the bones are so good. It just needs a little like zhuzh. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, as soon as I, I had made up my mind, as soon as I walked in, it's stunning. It's, it's, I wish I could say that the studio that I that I own is beautiful because I did it, but it's it's not. We 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 gave it life, but the the bones itself is is pretty mm-hmm. gorgeous. There's a view of all of downtown to the front, all of Dolores Park and Bernal and everything on the on the left, and it's unobstructed, which is great. Um, and uh, yeah, we just gave it a lot of love. We you know we redid the floors, mm-hmm. we did the bathrooms. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of practitioners that love yoga to the people, but a seafoam mm-hmm. green bathroom from floor to ceiling, come on, <laughs> seafoam green. <laughs> oh, I've never been to that San Francisco yoga to the people. I used to go to the one in New York, but I have been to home. I took uh, a class with Jack Workman and oh, it's cool. beautiful. I love it. And Thank I love you. Jack. So yeah, yeah, you did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And then we, um, about nine months later, I was on a hike and that was, I was, I should, this is why I, I shouldn't do nature things. Cause I get bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> this is why nature is bad. All right. <laughs> but I went on a hike and it was up by, you know, the Haight-Ashbury area. We got some great, some great hiking up there. And I was coming down and walked by the old yoga tree space, which is the first yoga studio I ever taught at. That's where pretty much everyone started. Janet Stone, Darren mm-hmm. May, first yoga tree in the city. It's been there for 22 years now. And the for rent sign was on it. And I was like, I'm just curious. I wonder how much they're going to charge for this place. And I called and the woman was like, I'm actually around the corner. Can you wait a few minutes? And I was like, sure. And we kind of plugged everything in. And as we started to make contact, she was like, 
Danny Pomploon. And I looked at her and I'm like, oh my God, I used to take my classes on Fridays at 4.30. And she's like, this is you? And I'm like, this is you? And she's like, my dad owns it. What do you want? And it Aww, was- that's awesome. Symbiotic. She was just like, they were willing and wanting to work with me. And I was kind of joking about opening up a second studio. I really was. I have- had no experience and didn't really, I had nine months under my belt at the one location. And I have, I have no business experience either outside of solopreneurship. Um, but I said, fuck it. And, you know, and also I, I felt very, um, that space is where I started in San Francisco. It was like the first mm-hmm. I ever taught that got me hired at yoga tree. Um, and just so many people have been teaching on those floors and I just, I don't know, I, there was something special about it and, and I'm a romantic in many ways. And there was something about just reopening that space, keeping the floors and just mm-hmm. keep the practice alive, you know? So yeah, then I did the second space. I have not been to that one, but it's on Stanion, right? And it's- right, Yeah, right at the start of the park. I would walk by there all the time and I couldn't catch, like I could never catch a class that I wanted to, but I would go into this, I guess the bar down the block that plays UFC fighting. Do you know He's what I'm a, talking about? Pub? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we know it well. <laughs> I know it well. <laughs> but I didn't realize that was the first yoga to the um, yoga tree. Excuse yeah. me. It was, you know, and I think for those that are you know listening slash watching that don't know, you know, yoga tree. The reason why we have the practice and the way that it is now is because of yoga works and you know Matias Rati, who is just. Mm a legend and Mm -hmm. such a magical, wonderful human being that decided to throw all this madness together, this Iyengar and Ashtanga style in LA and then say, hey, put music into it. And that's really where Vinyasa kind of kicked off way back in the day, the Catherine Budig, before Catherine Budig and all of them Mm -hmm. uh, started back then. And then, you know, that stuff seeped up here and started in, you know, in in San Francisco at Yoga Tree with Tim and Tara Dale, where they first hired, you know, a couple of teachers there in Maine. Uh, Steph was one of them, I believe. And so was Janet, you know, they were all baby teachers and it kind of, you know, San Francisco really was the West coast, you know, cause we're all peace, love, hippie oil and yoga mm-hmm. was a really big launching pad for, for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's where we have, you know, a lot of the greats came out of here, you know, look at yeah. Jason, Steph, who's still here, Annie, Judith, you know, you name them. That's it, been a, it, it, it was a, a hub. It was a Mecca for them. Mm-hmm. And the Iyengar Institute there was also like, like a big training ground, for, you know, teachers in that same line right. of, I guess, experience yeah. and lineage. That's right. Yeah. And I have a similar experience to you. I kept traveling to San Francisco to train with Janet, but I, but at the time I was living in South Florida. So I was like big cross, I guess, country trip. And you know how our trainings are always these like shorter modules that you kind of piece together. So I was going out every couple of months. And while being there, I didn't even realize I, I got introduced to all these other people. I was like, Oh, this is the place to be. And then I discovered Jason, I wound up doing another training with him and Raj and I really connected. But I think that's one thing that I really love about San Francisco is that, uh, that the community, the yoga community there is just so strong. Mm, I agree. I, I agree. It's, you know, it's interesting because it's shifted so much, like COVID shifted so many things. So in-person classes are very different than what they used to be here in the city. Um, and in what way? <clears throat> there are new faces and we're missing a lot of faces. You know, we, we lost yeah. 56,000 people in San Francisco. And, you yeah. know, it's, we're, we're, you know, we're, what, what our, our industry was tech. And so we had mm-hmm. all these people that were living here in tech and this was a part of their routine and then they're just gone. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, I think for, for what it's worth, I I'm kind of okay with it. I think the people that wanted to stay here and wanted to like be a part of the city or a part of the city, it was great. And those that didn't left. Um, yeah. and also, you know, I think what the pandemic did also for yoga was it just changed the game. You know, like you can mm-hmm. yoga, you can take a teacher training for $99. Actually, I saw one for $59, um, which I think is, is quite funny, but also a lot of people's teachers that had moved started teaching online. And so yeah. went to online and, you know, there's a lot more apps that got developed. It was just the way that people didn't want to do yoga online. And I was already teaching, you know, for an online teacher training before pandemic, I was kind of used to this. 
but it really opened up a lot of doors. And I think at the start, it was a little clunky. And even now, there are still people, and I'm sure you guys experience that are still a little afraid to come back to classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's still there's still that fear, right? I think for me, what I experience the most of is, and what we get the the, the most feedback is the community. You know, people, not, we have solid teachers. I know because half of them are my teachers. And, you know, like I, I study in their classes, like, you know, I, I like to say I'm a mediocre teacher at best because I've got just, just so, this deep well around me. Um, and I, I think that here's the one thing about yoga. And I, I think a lot about this right now, especially while there's change in the world and there's AI and all of this. Yoga is in person. Mm-hmm. The way that we, you know, that we share this thing is really it's it's face to face. I think that you can do enough through a screen, but the magic really happens when you're in person and when you're having this experience of transformation. So I think a lot of people miss that. And those are the people that are well, especially outside of technology. I mean, like that's like people like yoga is something that's great for people who are constantly connected to to devices. Right. Like, and I think that people crave that. I oh, do. Yeah. We need, it's a need. It's an actual need. Yeah. yeah. We need human connection to survive. It's an actual, it's yeah. an actual need. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I had this, and correct me if I'm wrong. I always had this like vision of San Francisco when I was a younger teacher, you know, I'm like, I'm only teaching 10 years, but I was started going to San Francisco in 2017 of being I in my mind as I would go there be like oh it's so hard to teach in San Francisco or these are like the top of the top like best teachers I like elevated because of what you said because of all these like great names that have come out I think I gave a lot of maybe I don't want to say power but I gave a lot of like power to teachers in San Francisco, but I always imagine it would be really, really hard to break into um, because you have such great talent. When you first moved there, this is obviously before pandemic and you're, you know, at Yoga Tree alongside Janet and Rusty Wells and all these other people. Was it like, what was the audition process like? Like, how did you break down the door of like getting, I guess your name, one of the most recognized in the San Francisco yoga scene? Yeah, um, there's there's a couple parts to that. I, I would agree with you. I think that, you know, San Francisco, I didn't really know the yoga scene well until I was actually up here. And I think that, well, it's really important for me to say, like, this is one opinion and this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of bias on this stuff. And I live my lens as a queer Mexican-American. So there's a few things that I'm already like, I'm always going to have certain discernments and even certain judgments on things. While I loved that we had really phenomenal teachers, I thought a lot of it was really toxic because Mm -hmm. I only saw a certain type of teacher really excelling and Mm -hmm. they had a certain body type. They were a certain skin color. Um, A lot of them tended to be a certain sex. And I found it really like disheartening because you had all these other amazing teachers who were friends who would never have the opportunity because of access and you look you're looking at bigger systems for that right but mm-hmm. it was still kind of like oh man this is hard and i was also smart that i had an advantage right i was queer and i was in san francisco and so i had an audience that i knew i i, I would connect with already when i went to go audition at yoga tree they basically said no and they were like you know you, you don't have a 500 hours so we won't do it and i was like okay and then i went back and they said no and I went back and they said, no. And I said, okay, if you're going to say no again, what do I have to do to be at, like, even to just audition? And they gave me this like laundry list. It was like, just think of the most ridiculous things. Like they were like, fly mm-hmm. to Egypt and get me a golden <laughs> and, you know, like take a picture of you and a sadhu and what, like just yeah. asks or like, they made me take so many people's classes and, and, and take notes and, and take this training and take that training. And I did. And I think for them, what they were, uh, I'm pretty relentless. I think they were a little surprised that I did, you know, what should have taken me a year and like six months. And I was like, here is the list. Here's all the, here's all the homework. When can Mm -hmm. I audition? And they were like, auditions are coming up, but we'll have you audition with the teacher. And I auditioned with this one teacher um, and they gave the feedback that I taught too much, you know, like a, like a core power teacher and Mm -hmm. like you can audition again in the the main auditions. So I'm at Yoga Tree Stanyan and I'm taking this teacher's class that they want me to take a certain amount of times because they think I would mentor with this person really well. 
and I'm, this is back in my drinking days. So I'm hungover. I just worked at the bar last night. I was a bartender in the Castro and I'm hungover, probably smelling like cigarettes, like living my best life. <laughs> I'm in a little Shavasana, just doing my thing before class starts. And I get a tap on the shoulder and it's the guy from the front desk. And he's like, Hey, Tara's on the phone. You know, she wants to speak to you. And I'm like, why would the owner want to talk to me right now? This makes no sense. So I go to the front and I'm like, hello. And she goes, well, it's your time not to disappoint. And I was like, what? And they're like, oh, the teacher got stuck in a landslide from Marin. You can teach mm -hmm. yoga. There are 32 people in that class. We're not sending them home. And I was like, okay. So I went back into class and you know, I was just like, hey, everyone, uh, so-and-so stuck in a landslide, but I teach yoga and uh, I would love to teach this class. No offense if you want to leave. And everyone was kind of like, eh, whatever. And that's kind of where I got my make a friend at the start of class thing is because I was like, can I just have like 10 minutes to like get together? I was, I was just like sleeping and I was like, why don't you <laughs> meet tell them your, your best dad joke is how I got the conversation going. And it gave me a chance to get my playlist going. And I taught the class and I'll tell both of you, like I gave it everything. I like put every ounce of my being in that class. I, I like every folk, I was so exhausted afterwards like every ounce of me that could just focus and be there and be present. I mean, I was reading bodies in that class so meticulously that I can call out like at least 20 of the students alignment without looking at them again. It was, I was so into it and the class ended and I got a standing ovation and they were like, thank you so much. Like, we really were happy. And I was like, thank you. And you can thank me by pulling out your phone and emailing, you know, Tara at yogatriestaff.com. And people were like, yeah, we'll do it. And I was like, no, let's do it on the way out. Like before you leave. <laughs> and smart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, relentless. And, um, you know, I had like 15 people actually email right there and more. And I got a call an hour and a half later and she said, you are our number one sub. So if anyone needs a class sub, they call you first. If you deny it, then it goes to the rest of the sub list. And I was like, all right. And this was right before the holidays. And then over the holidays, I subbed 30 something classes between uh, New Year's and uh, Thanksgiving. I said, I didn't say no to anything. I just said yes. And I finally got like 3 p.m. slots, which we all know are great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, I, I, and then I got like these other random slots and just kept subbing, kept subbing. I had found out that a teacher that was senior teacher at Yoga Tree was leaving. They were going to be moving. And I kind of had insider information that they were going to be moving. And I went to the owners and was like, I know that this person is leaving. I know that you have people that have taught here for 10 plus years. I want you to give me a shot. And they were like, no, like, so like these other people are in line to get these classes. No. And I said, and you know what I'm capable of. And they were like, you're right. So it was a Monday, Wednesday, 615 in San Francisco in Hayes Valley and a Sunday mm -hmm. morning. 9am. And they're like, you have 90 days to show us that you are worth these classes. And I said, okay. And I have to tell you guys, I not only gave away, like, cause I could comp people in classes, I would go on grinder to meet friends. <laughs> Come to my yoga class. <laughs> I would go to meetup, like the group meetup. I would, I would yeah. go to Spanish speaking meetups. I would go to cooking meetups and be like, and I just yoga, come to my class. Yeah, yeah. It's so, I mean, I think that's so important. Jen and I talk about this a lot, but like we both have been in the city in the grind. And we talk a lot about with like new teachers coming on and being like, oh, I want a 6 p.m. class. I'm like, that's not how this fucking works. Yeah. Like you, you teach the 5 a.m. and then you teach the 8 p.m. and the 3 p.m. Or, and you just have a lot of a lot of people that are just like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, then you're not going to make it. But I think that those are those are also people that are like part time yoga. We are career yoga teachers. Like this is our life. Yeah, but some people, but exactly, but some people say they want to make it their career. And I think that the reality of what it is is much different than what the, what they may perceive going into it. Well, right. I agree with you, Bracha, but I also think I I kind of disagree in one essence. And the part I disagree on is that actually in Chicago, those newer teachers can get away with it. I have seen new teachers come in and be like, I want the 6 PM and get it because there isn't that same level of like, this is like a revered time spot, mm. time spot. This is for a seasoned teacher. I don't really see many seasoned experienced teachers getting the same level of, I think I guess, you did before COVID. I I think you did before COVID. I think a lot changed after COVID, but I think that you definitely saw that pre-COVID. At least I felt like I saw it. 
So mm-hmm. that's that's really interesting because, you know, and Brad, you know this more than anybody. Like, I have been in the grind. I've done it all. I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. I hated most of it. I wanted to mm-hmm. be Instagram famous. I grew a following. I hated it. It was one of the most miserable <laughs> in my life. It really was. It was awful. I wanted to teach at yoga festivals. I made some really good community. I made some really good friends. But at the end of the day, I was like, I was just doing this because Janet and Jason and everyone else was doing it. Yeah, it's like something to check off your list. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 200-hour teacher training. And I did it. I did it alone and it sucked. And so finally I brought in a partner and was like, okay, this is awesome, you know. And then I, you know, I got on. Uh, uh, yoga international. And I, yeah, I did, uh, you know, I did a thing for Lululemon. Like I did all the things. And what I realized is like, I actually just like teaching in the studio and, and hanging out with community and going a little deeper into the practices. Mm-hmm. When, the, when, when, when this shifted for me being a, and I would call it that, like, I would call these people commercially successful. We are commercially successful yoga teachers, right? Mm-hmm. When it went from me being everybody's colleague, you know, I was every, like, you know, I was, I taught after Janet, I, you know, I, I, we were all in the same in in many ways. Right. And then I became people's boss. And that part was Mm -hmm. really, really, really tough because I think, and even me, like when I reflect back at like some of the things I was asking management to do, I had no idea how much was involved to own a studio and operate a studio successfully to a long term. And mm-hmm. a lot of yoga teachers will be like, oh, well, I deserve this and I want that. And I have the most classes and blah, 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 blah. And and that's fine. But I think that there's so there's so many more moving pieces that go into it. You know, uh, my favorite, you know, that, that I often butt heads with and it's gotten so much better, you know, and this is just real. Like, you know, like people are like, I don't I don't want to sell membership. I don't want to sell yoga. Mm. Sure. And you can invite people to your yoga retreat with no with without a doubt yes yeah, straight yeah. up straight up yeah, yeah you know i think what they forget is like well well i'm the one bringing the value here and i'm the one paying the bills and making sure that everything looks good and every making sure that everything is running and it's it should be mm-hmm. symbiotic there's, yeah, yeah there's equanimity here you know one of the things that we i did is i don't really have time and patience for a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things and so when people are like i want to raise or i want this or i want that i'll just straight up hand them the financials and say show me where Mm. I'm, I'll do it. I'll do any of the things that you guys want to do. Show me where, you know, and I also know that like, well, I want to do this workshop da, 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 I want to do this. And I, you can't be dependent on me doing everything because I know from teaching experience, from becoming successful, from becoming commercially this, that I had to put in all the work. It wasn't the studio that was marketing that made the things better. Mm-hmm. It's actually the teacher. But I think what most teachers think is it should be the studio doing it. It's not the way it works, but the, the, what gets convoluted and conflated is like, I was teaching over the pandemic on zoom and I was fucking crushing it. Oh my God. I ran a training. I didn't have to pay a studio. There was no middleman. I got all the dollar. And then we went back to in studio and the mindset was like, well, I was making all that money. I should be making all that money again, forgetting that to operate and own a business. The reason why you don't get all of it is because, and I think this is what some studios, cause I, I do know some studio owners that aren't really about their people. They are about their profits and that's okay. That's one way to run business. That's not how we do it. Like we pay our people mm-hmm. best in San Francisco. We've got health benefits for everybody. We provide mental health for everybody, even if you're part-time. We do a matching mm-hmm. 401k. Like we really do put the people first because I was in that seat. Yeah. I didn't have a future forward unless I was going to grind. And I mm-hmm. think that that doesn't really work. The industry is kind of messed up. It's it's actually one of the only industries that I can think of and that I've had knowledge of that, that is that messed up where in some places, y'all, they're paying teachers $25 a class. Yeah. Well, I think being from California, you might not even realize because California has the, I guess, at least I see it as an advantage of yoga teachers are employees. You get a W2. Like we're not technically employees and a lot of places around the country hire as independent contractor. So I think when pandemic came, I'm like, wait, but I'm not even an employee of this place. Like this is like, I'm, you know, just Gianna Gambino LLC as like my own independent yoga business. So Mm. why, so what you're talking about, it's weird because it's like, oh, if you're not going to support me as an employee, there's no like, um, there's not taxes taken out. We don't have health benefits. Mm -hmm. There's no time off or, you know, things like that. It, It was 
definitely a moment to just reassess that relationship for, I think a lot of us here, at least in the Midwest. Yeah. And just kind of bringing it back to what Bradshaw was saying is like the, everything changed over the pandemic and Mm -hmm. there was a lot of lack of information and a lot of lack of knowledge as to like, now I've got it all. Like I could literally coach anyone through anything in yoga. I've done it all. I've done that (laughs) podcast, the Instagram, the festivals, the business, all the things. The app literally did it all. I literally like, thought it was Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> like, Collect hilarious. <laughs> but I've learned so much on this side where I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. I was a nightmare as a yoga teacher to work with sometimes. I like demanded all these things that I thought were like easy. And now I'm on this side. I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I can't host the workshop next week because you decided I got to market this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's that yeah, I think that, again. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> Gianna, too. You've also been. I think that you've been thinking. We both have, but I I enjoy teaching studio classes. I always have. I would l- definitely like to teach less studio classes, but I enjoy teaching studio classes. And I think that Gianna uh, has helped me kind of realize that I, I'm so used to the grind. So I'm trying to find the balance of like grinding too hard but still teaching studio classes and then sometimes you teach so much studio classes you don't have enough energy to then focus on the retreats and the trainings that I feel like Gianna that's something that we talk about a lot and that she's really focused on it's like you don't you can be a full-time yoga teacher without teaching 15 to 20 classes a week and there are some yoga teachers they love that that's what they want they don't want Mm -hmm. I think it's really like you know everyone's experience is going to be different obviously that's yeah it's like, what do you want? And then you build it backwards. That's it. Yeah. I, I agree with you. There's nothing wrong. And I tell this to Bradshaw too. I'm like, cause I, I'll like joke. I'm like, oh, you're in the hustle right now. But I'm like, but if he likes that, if this is fulfilling, whatever someone like truly deeply wants, I'm trying to not knock that because it's not what I want. But I think my experience is that I didn't realize I was burnt out until I burnt out. And now I'm restructuring. I'm like, oh, I don't have to mm-hmm. teach 22 classes a week anymore to make a living. Also, I don't, I feel like when I'm teaching that much, I'm on autopilot and I'm not giving my all to those classes. Whereas mm-hmm. I'd rather obviously take care of myself. And and actually, this is something I got from Janet. Janet would say that you don't want to pour from your own cup to fill up others. You want to let your cup overflow so much and pour from the saucer. And I always think about that. I was like, I was pouring from my own cup. And now I'm at the point where it took, it took a, a little bit of like health stuff, a little bit of dealing with trauma, a little bit of the burnout, but I'm like, okay, I want to, I need to take care of myself. And I really, really want want to facilitate, you know, healing and other things. You know, that's one of the reasons I got into teaching. I want to start facilitating the deeper you know, aspects of the yoga practice. Cause otherwise, or my previous, you know, my former experience is more like just the grind and like, let's see how many chaturangas we can do and let me make them sweat. And I'm like, I, that's not why I got into this. I don't care mm-hmm. necessarily about all of that. And I felt like, because I was on autopilot with like, if I'm teaching five classes a day, that fifth class is not getting the best of me. they're getting, it's going to be a great class anyway. And this is what Bradshaw was saying earlier, like he knows his fifth class is still going to be a great class because <laughs> because of just that. I'm not saying it's going to be like, like it's oh, not going to be the we... best class ever, but I'm just like I've taught long enough that it's not going to be bad. Yeah. You know, yeah, I know it's still going to be a good class. Gonna it's still going to be better than the than the teacher who just finished 200 hour. You're going to teach a much better class than that. But just, it's like, not connected. I have such hard <laughs> boundaries on like my limitations, and and, and mainly because I did burn out. I like burnt out hard. Yeah. It was like a whole situation. I had a breakdown. I was just like exhausted. I, I, my back went out, like all these things happened in like a three week period. And I had to, it was over the pandemic and I had to step away from like mm-hmm. teaching Zoom for quite a, quite a little bit. You know, it was like, it was rough. And now I'm like, here's what I will do. And here's what I won't do. Mm-hmm. When I will mm-hmm. talk about work and here's what I will not talk about work. Mm-hmm. If I have done mm-hmm. anything for myself first, I will not do the rest of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will. I will say I, you know, I felt definitely burnt out uh, at the, the when the pandemic started, especially I felt even more burnt out because then I went online 
And then I'm still teaching 12 classes a week, but then I'm also doing the class. I mean, I was fucking exhausted. Like my body was a mess mm. um, and not in a good way. Mm -hmm. And um, I forget the point I was going to make probably because I taught you were, classes you were, today. you were burnt out during the beginning of pandemic. Oh, but I think, oh I was saying yeah. I'm burnt out, but I, but when I came back, you know, I don't feel as burnt out because I set boundaries with the studios and place that I work, work at which is like, I will teach these classes back to back. I'm not gonna go here and then come back and then go over here and then back. Like that's so much of what I was doing was like running from place yeah. to place. And so I don't do as much of that anymore. And that has made a huge difference yeah. for sure. I feel that. I teach one, so, class, one class a week now, that's it. I was just gonna ask that. I was like, so it seems like you- You're like, it's 8.30 on a Monday and that is it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what time is it? What time is it? Six fifteen on a Monday or Wednesday night. Oh, yes, okay. actually. So I was teaching Monday six fifteen, Wednesday at four thirty, and then a Friday four thirty. Um, I dropped the Friday. Actually, I took I, I gave it away for two months. I told the students I was like, "Hey, I'm not burning out. We're not going to hear the same story that I'm burnt out. And I have to go away now, but I can feel my energy dipping, so I'm going to let this go for a little bit. And let someone take care of you." And then <clears throat> I had a little time out and was like, what do I need? And um, I, I actually had some time to slow down and really just be like, oh, you know, this next year, like I've, I've done enough. And this next year is really just about my energy kind of coming back to me and slowing things down on, and intentionally. And, uh, you know, I had a really good chat with Janet, who was actually like, what do you need? And I was like, I don't know, I think I just need some, some downtime. And she offered to pick up my class and take care of it for the rest of the year. And I'm just teaching one class and getting extra sleep and focusing on my mental health and focusing on my physical health and you know making sure that my you have to remember like now I've got like five babies and they're full-timers and they are my team mm -hmm. and then I have a teaching team you know, we have 55 employees now which is crazy wow. um, I have you know my, my my host team and they're just as important as the rest of uh, the team they're ever they're, they're they're amazing and then we have the teaching team and so it, it's the game has changed for me you know I, I really mm -hmm. I joke that I'm like a dad, but I'm really yoga dad now. It's like, yeah, I can't, I, I wish that I could teach three classes a week and be okay. And I can't, mm -hmm. I have to, I get to. But do you like yourself finding on the other side of that? Do you, do you, does it feel full circle? I think for my ego, it's a, it's a tough thing mm -hmm. because, you know, like my, my Monday night class, you know, was get a humble brag, uh, 70 to 80 people every Monday night. And I'm mm -hmm. Danny Pomploon, I'm a famous yoga teacher. Woo, it mm -hmm. makes me feel good because I'm, look at me, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I just have to have an ego check and be like, and it's not about you. And yeah. it's not about practice. And if you are if you are not showing up to be of service here, then you're really not doing, it's the, where's your yoga kind of kind of deal. And, and I got that from, you know, from, from time in, in silence where I was like, oh, right now is not, I can't actually share my gifts right now. So maybe I shouldn't share you know, mm -hmm. I think that's really, really, really tough for teachers, but important for all healers, whether you're a teacher or a doctor or whatever, when yeah. you have run out of your medicine, you should stop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that more and more. There's, I mean, this could be a whole other podcast, but it's something that I think about often too, is just like, oh God, if I'm feeling like a really off day, I'm like, oh God, I, I feel like I have a hard time being authentic and like showing up for others. So I'm teaching a lot less right now. And when I do teach, I'm trying to be like the best version of myself that I can, which is, it's just a different way of thinking about things. And I think when you're on the hamster wheel, you forget that you are, like you said, that this is not about you. This is like really an act of service. So mm -hmm. The, um, it's the teachings are the same they're just different you know my yoga mm -hmm. class is not you know i don't know whatever whatever pose or whatever series or whatever dharma i want to teach that day and in, in a sequence it's okay here we go team let's drop in together how's everyone doing yeah. what do you need what are you working on and i'm, I'm still reading bodies I'm yeah still, i'm still reading energy and I'm still sharing Dharma. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, we're frustrated today as a team. Oh, we're locked in. Ah, mm -hmm. we need to slow down. Oh, we need we need a little fire. We need a little more heat. And then my sequencing is different. You know, my sequencing mm -hmm. is I'm going to set this person up with this, this, and this to set them up for success. And I'm going to set 
this person up with this, this, and this for success. And it's, it's, it literally is using yoga in, I think, you know, we, we forget we're, we're in a yoga asana room. So we practice yoga in asana, but now I'm just practicing yoga in the lens of leadership. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's looking at these beings in front of me and consciously seeing what can I offer them? What's going to help them? What's going to give them rest? What's going to give them, you know, a break, what's going to give them some, some, some zeal, you know, what's, what is it that they need and kind of work it out that way. Yeah. I Do you find that, that like, sorry, I want to ask, well, sorry, this, this directly relates, but cause I wrote okay. this down I thought it was interesting. On one of your last posts, you said you were beginning or launching a men's emotional embodiment leadership. So yes. I wanted just to ask like what that means and it, has it started? Are you doing that now or? Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I'm in a program right now um, with a phenomenal teacher who is, uh, he does a lot of men's work and he also does a lot of um, embodiment work. So embodiment of the masculine, the feminine and embracing both the masculine and the feminine. We know what we're talking about Shiva and Shakti and all of us. Mm. Um, and the reason why I signed up for this was, you know, it's really, um, I, I believe leadership starts with self and it's self-leadership. It's the way that we show up in the world and the way that we choose to show up all of the time that really is our leadership. So if I choose to be ungrounded and in my reaction, that is going to be in my, in the way that I go. And leadership is a different game because, you know, where I can be a yoga teacher and then turn it off a little bit, you know, I'm a leader, I'm, it's it's on. And so I'm, I'm choosing to make this shift as a being. And actually, I'm looking forward to this. And one thing that I'm learning along the way, and also as I'm, you know, the wounded healer is that I'm learning that I, I didn't really have an opportunity to really feel and embody feeling, um, yeah. learning that I, you know, I, at a young age, I was told not to be gay. And so, you know, first I grew up in a Mexican household, so we don't have feelings there. You're a man, you know, you're machismo, mm -hmm. like, but we're men of the house. You don't feel, um, and then I was gay and that was not accepted. And so like, I could, I had to repress that. And then there are was you still gay? Um, I think about it. <laughs> How much money are we talking? <laughs> um, you know, I, You're I, like, I, and now I'm a cheese mo and I'm not gay and everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> uh, as I'm in this like leadership journey, it's kind of crazy because it's not like how to be a good boss, but it's literally how do I become a better person? Because mm -hmm. I can't just be like, oh, I'm a good boss now. And now I'm going to be a fucking douchebag. You know, I, I, I talked about this on Wednesday night. Well, you guys, I literally have home license plate custom on my Jeep. And mm -hmm. I cut across two lanes with no signal and flip someone off. Like it was their fault <laughs> <laughs> because I missed my exit. I was like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Let me go. And then I was like, Palm Plume you are human and we need to do better here. Like, this is not okay. Totally just in reaction, just like not checked in, checked out of the world, in a car, in traffic, just full on. It's a cool reminder that like, I'm a human being. But as a as as I bring it into like leadership, like, do I, do I want that to happen? Because I didn't ask someone to do something and I expected them to do it. Now I'm like, what, what the, I'm never going to talk to an employee that way, but is my reaction going to be there? Is that, that intensity mm -hmm. there? I don't want that there. You know, I want, I want to be able to like, I think now my biggest teacher is owning a business and it's leading mm -hmm. a team and they are my teachers because they're pushing all of my trigger buttons. I am used to working alone with an assistant and we get mm -hmm. each other. We, we, we don't even have to talk anymore. We just like, you got that. Okay, cool. Awesome. Okay. Bye. You know, and, and it's done. And now I'm, I've got all these personalities and all these stories and all these beings. And it's like my next level of teacher training. Yeah. Um, and so, so anyway, to, to kind of bring this in full circle and, and answer this a, a little long-winded is the same is if I'm having a hard time feeling and I'm having a really hard time being frustrated and I'm actually not letting this frustration process, but I'm letting it take over the stories in my head because it's the next correlated thing. I think it's problematic. And I think mm -hmm. that um, if I am the only one doing it, here's how it came about. I went to uh, a party and- um, A gay party? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I want to be so kind. Uh, and what I noticed <laughs> were there were different groups of people segregated. 
and there was this young sweet man who was trying to engage with my partner and I and we were like come on in you know like he was like you guys are so nice and you actually talk to people and I was like yeah like duh that's what you should do and he's like most people don't hear and you know, it was a weekend in, in PV and um he found us again at another at another outing and we were going to this other party where you had to take a cab and he saw us getting into a cab and was like can I ride with you and I said yeah and as we were in the cab I was like so what do you do and he's like well I kind of just travel around and go to these parties and I'm like oh cool. Like, what else do you do? He's like, oh, this is it. This is what I've been doing for the last few years. And I'm like, huh, interesting. What do you want to do? You know, I just got curious. And he's like, I don't know. Like, I, I think I like art. And I'm like, well, how do you feel when you do art? It's like, I don't really talk about my feelings much. I wasn't really supposed to growing up. And, you know, he shared, he grew up in a Chinese household, wasn't told to feel, just moved on in life. And it just crushed me. It just, it just crushed me. It was like, I know what that's like being gay. I know what it's like being in a household where you're not tend to feel and like we're starting to figure this stuff out with all this embodiment stuff that's coming out but like this stuff has to go out y'all it has mm -hmm. to and um you know i think men in general are struggling i think gay men are struggling even more i think that you know the number one shared male experience i don't know if y'all know this is loneliness and then you have a gay shared experience, which is also loneliness. And the number one suicide rate is men. And so as a part of my leadership and as a part of my teaching, I am growing in my own being. And the seat that I can hold and the experience that I can hold is of being gay, being a, you know, a, a, what I de identify as and processing these things that I think are liberating. You know, I've been in trauma therapy for months and it's just, we just sit there, talk about emotion, what's it feeling based on an experience and let it go through. And I have to tell you, it's like the most liberating experience I ever, I've ever had. Mm -hmm. I had a rage and anger practice and it was the most vulnerable thing I ever did. And also the most liberating thing I've ever done where I was screaming and yelling and throwing pillows and punching a pillow and just getting this stuff out, you know, no gym routine could, could get this out. It was just, and mm -hmm. afterwards I, I, I sobbed and was like, that is, I sobbed and I didn't feel it again. I didn't mm -hmm. feel like, Oh, I want to go back there. I want to go back there. I was just like, Oh, it's, it's like, we made friends with that. Like that's, that's good. That's like, that's a part of me mm -hmm. that needed to be seen and, and needed to be let out. So similar to like these other things. And, you know, we all grow as a teacher. I'd be scared if you're teaching the same thing in the next few years. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I've, you know, a lot of my practice is sitting these days and a lot of breathing, just sitting and breathing, just sitting and breathing. And, um, I'm really into this leadership work and I'm really into leading men and to, to getting them to just feel, even if it's just a little bit, you know, I don't need yeah. to, I don't need to be somebody's therapist, but if we can just all sit in a room and be like, it's kind of shitty sometimes, huh? Instead of like, pretend that it's not shitty sometimes, like I'm in. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, it's, I don't ever want to create, I, I, I'm not a big fan of like, this, these are my students. This is my following. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. I want to create leaders. I want you to yeah. stay with me as long as you need to get the magic you need to. And then like, let me take you to the next teacher who I know is going to take you even further. I don't want you to follow me around. Mm -hmm. I want you to come and hang out and come back and be like, you know, that thing we're here again, you know, after mm -hmm. the wisdom is embodied, but you know, I just want better humans in the world. And I think that that's kind of where my heart's at right now. Yeah, it sounds like you're definitely fulfilling. I feel like I'm really embracing my dadhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Um, we've definitely, I feel like we could talk to you forever and we've gone over an hour, which I didn't want to take up too much of your time, but can, sort of switching gears and it feels silly to switch gears yeah. after, yeah. you know, get, getting real serious, but let's share some funny stories. We'll bring it, bring a little lightness into this. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> Bradshaw, do you want to start? Like, do you have a funny thing about yoga? This yeah, week? it's actually, it do you know Tim at the front desk? Of course. Everyone knows okay, Tim. Well, Tim, hello, shout out. Hey Tim, we love <laughs> Tim is like this, he's the sweetest, nicest, warmest soul ever. And he's just like, he checks people in on for one of my Friday mornings. And he and I just have a really funny rapport. And I like to just say crazy stuff to him because he, thinks I'm absurd and, and always laughs and so during Shavasana today after one of my like during the class I opened the door and I go shut the fuck up to Tammy but he was sitting there <laughs> and this girl was walking by and she thought I was talking to her 
<laughs> and she was like, she was like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, I wasn't talking to you. And then this Tim's like, I need so to <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, I was like, shut the fuck up. And she was like, I'm so this is <laughs> it's hilarious, but that also makes me so mad. I'm gonna tell Danny just a, a counter story to that. One time I was teaching restorative and I opened the door because there's people like screaming outside the door. Mm. And I just like went like this. I went, shh. That's all I did. And then there was a rumor spread around the studio that I told students to shut the fuck up. Meanwhile, you really did. And no one will talk shit about you, but they want to talk shit about me. This is not fair. Not fair. I was talking to, I also was talking to Tim, but yes. Okay. But that was a very funny story that happened today. You get away. This is, you get away with anything. This goes. Well, I I wasn't saying anything to that girl. And I I, said, I I said, not, I said, I wasn't talking to you, stupid bitch. I was talking to him. (laughs) And then I went back. (laughs) Imagine. Also love the hair. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I hope you enjoyed class. I have a, I have a very quick story. So I teach a late night restorative yoga and I set up everyone the first pose in a restorative child's pose. So you've got the bolster on the blocks and whatever. Usually some people will put their head to one side. Some people like to put their forehead down, but they have their head to one side. I usually will tell them because it's long holds and restorative yoga. I will give them like a halfway point to like change their head. Uh, But anyway, this girl just passed out. Like I'm talking first (laughs) within the first five minutes of class, she just fell asleep. And then, you know, you only do like three or four poses. Like I teach very traditional, you know, restorative. She just never got out of the child's pose. And she was there with her boyfriend who I thought maybe would just like tap her or wake her up so that I didn't have to. And he just left her there. So I left her. I would leave her there like, too because you don't I, want to scare her. If you I know, wake I don't her up and she's like exact, startled. 100%. And then I was like, the whole time I just kept thinking if her neck was okay because she had it to one side. I was like, she is like, oh. <laughs> she, she, she did like an she's hour. Like, Thank you so much for class. Thank you so much for class. <laughs> Anytime anyone falls asleep and restored it, though, I, I let them. I'm like, they need that. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, they fall asleep, I'm like, you need it. Go for it. <laughs> okay. This one, I actually, I've never told this story to anybody now that I think about it. This is back in my yoga tree days. And I don't know what I ate, you guys. I have no oh, idea. Oh, I love, I, I said about shit because I love poop stories. I love poop stories. <laughs> it's even better. It's, it's farting. So I, I was teaching a 90-minute vinyasa like, class. Yeah. <laughs> a 90-minute vinyasa class. And I'm sitting down and I'm like, oh my God, I got to fart right now. I'll just hold it. Like, it's fine. So I start playing the harmonium and I'm like, I can't. I play my, I actually play my ass for the harmonium. That's actually what I use. <laughs> Wait, you I'm can't like, even say the story. Yeah, I can't it's one of those where you're like, you can't hold it. Yeah. I can't hold this part. What do I do? And I'm like, okay, we're going to ohm right now. And I'm playing the harmonium. <laughs> home, and I just like fart into my blanket, which is a buffer. And I'm like, okay, good. Like, got it out. Well, I get up and I start teaching. And within minutes, I'm like, I got to fart again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I can't hold this fart. I'm like, what do I do? Like, this is at the start of an idea class. So I get this genius idea to go to the prop closet while I'm teaching and get blanket. <laughs> <laughs> blanket and the two front corners in the room and in the side of the room I drop a blanket every every time I, fart, I put a blanket down and as I deep think I squat I'm like and inhale your right leg <laughs> but no one knew no no one knew but I just kept squatting and I'm crying <laughs> I had the worst gas. It was like every two minutes I had to fart. And I couldn't smell. No, thank God. It was just like dropping heat. Okay, okay. <laughs> it was, okay. Wow. It was the entire class where I had to fart. So like I would get up and teach and then find one of my blankets and sit down for a buffer. <laughs> find, find, find one of my blankets. You have like, it's like covered in blankets. He, he dropped it around the room. You missed that. At part? Like five yeah, around the room. <laughs> yeah, there's like he's like, I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's gonna blanket over there for. Because <laughs> I didn't want to be like stuck was... in the and keep sitting down and people be like, what's wrong with him? I was like, I'll move and then squat. I'll move and then squat. It was I so was jump- 
Go ahead. I farted yesterday in class. I was jumping. I was doing like some like hops from like down dog into Melasa. And I was like, like this. And it was just like this little fart. It was really cute. Um, and then I always said to my friend, there's always, there, for me, I don't know if you experience this, Danny, there's always that one person that you know really well in class. So yeah. if something does go kind of off the rails, you can ask them, be like, did you hear that? Right. And they're <laughs> I like, no. <laughs> I don't care. What? I'm like, if it, if it does go off the rails, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I, when that happens, I'm like, just be happy you're breathing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> don't act like oh you God. have a situation like that you know? <laughs> oh that is so oh funny God, that's so thank funny. you thank you for sharing it thank you for being on the podcast we really appreciate you you know talking with us and sharing your story and everything can you let our listeners know where to find you and if you have yeah. anything going on um, yeah, you can find me at dannypomplume.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I don't post a bunch right now, but will be soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can find me at home SF as well. So I teach Wednesday nights, uh, my classes live streamed. Um, and then what do I have going on right now? I think the only thing that I have going on. So really this first half of the year is like just to nourish myself. So I'm only teaching once a week and then I'll start some programs. Um, probably September ish. I got a little re- local retreat, um, outside of San Francisco, um that's really what i got going on kind of take it take it pretty chill right now good for you you deserve it that's right mm-hmm. i'm worth it. <laughs> You're worth it well danny again thank you so much for for coming on and hopefully we'll have you back again soon thank you thanks danny you're welcome remember danny you're gay bye very <laughs> <laughs>